state of New York having to say a word. Sylvie should mind, and Sylvie should be busy too. Like her mother, Sylvie had gone to Barnard and Yale. Selma and David Surfer's only child had been intended for better things than marriage, motherhood, committee work for various charities, and collecting her husband's breakfast. Ah, well, she thought as the chef swirled melted butter in a pan. She was happy with her life, even if it didn't please her mother. She loved her husband. She respected what he'd accomplished. She felt good about the part that she'd played in his career. It seemed churlish to complain about the occasional small indignity, about the hours she'd spent campaigning, faith smoothed into a pleasant expression, mouth set in a smile, hair straightened into an inoffensive shoulder-length bob, wearing hose that squeezed her middle and pumps that pinched her toes, standing behind her husband, saying nothing. Normally it didn't bother her, but every so often discontent rose up inside her, spurred by some unpleasant reminder of her unrealized potential. A few months ago, the forms for her 35th reunion at Barnard had arrived in her inbox. There'd been a survey, a series of questions about life after college, One of them was, tell us how you spend your time. If you're working, please describe your job. Before she could stop herself, Sylvie had typed, my job is to stay on a diet so that I can fit into size 6 St. John knit suits and none of the bloggers say that my behind's getting big. She'd erased the words immediately, replacing them with a paragraph about her volunteer work, the funds she'd raised for the homeless and the ballet, breast cancer research, and the library and the Museum of Modern Art. She'd add a sentence about her daughters, Diana, who was an emergency room doctor right here in Philadelphia, and Lizzie. Vexing Lizzie, who'd given them such heartache. Now several months sober, she didn't mention that, with her hair restored to its original blonde and all those horrible piercings practically closed. She'd added a final beat about how for the last 14 years, She had been lucky enough to travel the world in the company of her husband, Senator Richard Woodruff, Democrat, New York. But sometimes, late at night, she thought that the truth was the first thing she'd written. So she'd lost herself a little bit, she thought, as the chef sprinkled cheese into the pan. But hadn't they built something together, she and Richard, and Lizzie and Diana? And wasn't that more important, more meaningful than anything Sylvie could have done on her own? What kind of career would she have had anyhow? She wasn't as good a lawyer as her mother. She could admit, if only to herself, that she was bright, but not terribly ambitious, that she lacked a certain something, aggression or tenacity or even just desire, that magical quality that would have lifted her from good to great. But she'd found a place for herself in the world, She'd raised her girls and been a help to her husband, a sounding board and a concierge, a scheduler and a speechwriter, a traveling companion and a co-campaigner. So what if every once in a while, late at night, she felt like all she had to show for her years on the planet were miles logged on a treadmill that took her nowhere and a number on the scale that was becoming increasingly difficult to maintain? So what if she... Ma'am, the chef was staring at her spatula raised. The omelet sat in a perfectly browned half-circle in the center of the pan. Sorry, she said, 
and held out the empty plate toward him like an orphan in a Dickens novel. An orphan asking for more. Richard was reading the op-ed page and talking on his phone, with a cup of coffee steaming at his elbow, so busy multitasking that he barely looked up. Eat, she said, and Richard smiled, put his arm around her waist, and gave her a quick squeeze. Thank you, dear, he said, and she said, you're welcome, then went back to gather her own joyless meal, fat-free yogurt, a single stewed prune, a mini box of special K, a glass of skim milk, and as her reward, a scoop of oatmeal she could never resist, deliciously creamy, the way it never got at home. She'd add a little butter, a swirl of brown sugar, a splash of cream, turning it into something that was more like pudding than breakfast. She'd eaten only a few bites when Richard dropped his crumpled napkin over the remains of his eggs.